Hello, it's so good to be with you again this morning as we open God's Word together. Today I have the privilege of concluding our series on legacy, and we've had some amazing messages from God's Word about the legacy that people in the Scriptures have left for us, and that we too um, can leave a legacy. And today we're going to be talking about the greatest legacy that any of us can leave, and that's a legacy of faith. I mean, what is faith? Well, the dictionary tells us that faith is having complete trust or confidence in someone or something. Complete trust or confidence. Um, the Bible actually defines faith in what's known as the faith chapter in Hebrews 11, chapter 11, verse 1. And here it says that faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we cannot see. You know, do you have hopes? You know, I've got hopes. And the Bible says you know, what we hope for, especially the, the future God has for us, is something that we can hope with confidence because of faith. Being sure of what we cannot see. Um, often when I'm teaching people about faith, and having faith in God, that's the starting point. You must actually acknowledge it. Oh, does God exist? And I'll often use an illustration like this. Here I've just uh, made a paper airplane. And as I throw this paper airplane, it flies. And there it goes, right across the church. But what makes that paper airplane fly is something called air pressure. And it's the same air pressure that, that, that flies that little paper airplane that makes a big... Uh, 747 or A380 go up in the sky with you know hundreds of passengers and all their luggage. It's all done by air pressure. We can't see air pressure, but we know it exists because we see how it makes heavy things even fly. Another example is one of gravity. You know, if I drop something, it falls to the ground because it's gravity, and um, we can't see gravity, but we know it exists. Um, magnetism, this has a magnet on it. And you take a magnet and it sticks to metal. We can't see that force. It's invisible, but we know it exists. And, and this is like God. I've never seen God, but I have no doubt that he exists. Not a question. Why? Because I see the evidence. I look in nature. I love God's creation. You know, all the beautiful things in this world. I love climbing mountains. I love seeing animals and creatures. And even our bodies is such a amazing evidence. All the different systems, all the different senses, all the complexities of the human body. To me, that gives me great evidence that God exists. Now, I grew up believing in God, and I've, I've really always... Um, really known or believed in God to some point. There's been times in my life when I did go through a stage where I questioned and I searched and I came to the conclusion that as I was raised that God exists and that he not only exists but he loves me and he has a purpose for my life. And today we're going to look at a person in the Bible who grew up a Christian like myself and his name is Timothy. A few weeks ago, we talked about the Apostle Paul and how Paul started out as Saul, a Pharisee that was actually hunting down Christians and even killing them, and then he had a great conversion and became Paul. 
And one of uh, Paul's mentors, one of the young men that Paul worked with and spread the gospel with was a man named Timothy, a young man. And uh, here I just want to share a little bit that Paul writes in the books of First and Second Timothy. These are letters that Paul wrote from prison towards the end of his life, and he wrote these letters to Timothy. And in Timothy chapter 2, uh, sorry, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, he says this, I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I know that same faith continues strong in you. So here it's, it's, it's obvious that Timothy grew up in a Christian home. He grew up having a faith, believing in God. Um, and not only that, but his grandmother also believed in God. It again says in a couple of chapters over, in chapter 3 and verse 15, it says this, You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood. So Timothy learned about Scriptures ever since he was a child, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. And so... Here, Paul was writing this letters to his special friend, um, Timothy, and trying to give him some advice, because Timothy's still just a young man, and, and Paul's wanting him to continue spreading the, the gospel and the good news. We find some more information about this in Philippians chapter 2, verses 19 to 22, I want to share as well. It says, If the Lord Jesus is willing, I hope to send Timothy to you soon for a visit. And this is uh, Paul writing to the Philippians. And then he can cheer me up by telling me how you're getting along. I have no one else like Timothy who genuinely cares about your welfare. All the others care only for themselves and not for what matters to Jesus Christ. But you know how Timothy has proved himself like a son with his father. He has served with me in preaching the good news. You can see here how Paul speaks so, 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 so highly of Timothy. And uh, Timothy was his ment- uh, was um, Paul was his mentor, and he Paul had him under his wing and nurtured him. They traveled together, they prayed together, they sang together, they rejoiced together, they laughed together, and cried together. And this is really what brings us together, you know, as Christians, as we serve together. And it's one of the purposes. I encourage everyone to be involved in life groups and small groups where people are doing life together, and not only just living life, but actually purposefully spreading the good news and the joy uh, of knowing God and knowing the gospel. In the book, Patriarchs and Prophets, it says this about Timothy. It says, Such was the training of Moses in the lowly cabin home in Goshen, of Samuel by the faithful Hannah, of David in the dwelling in Bethlehem, of Daniel before the scenes of the captivity separated him from the home of his father, and such too was the early life of Christ at Nazareth. Such was the training by which the child Timothy learned from the lips of his grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice the truths of holy living. You know, what a privilege Timothy had growing up as a believer in a believing environment and being able to learn. And as I think back on my life, I remember... I remember those times long ago, those places, those people sometimes long gone, and and they still impact me today as I grow. I remember my mother 
who, as I grew up, would tell me Bible stories and pray with me every night at my bed. Um, I remember for many weeks, she helped me memorize all the books of the Bible because um, I was challenged to do that. I remember her helping me to memorize the uh, 13th chapter of Corinthians, known as the love chapter. Um, you know, these are great memories, great things that, that grounded me in God's Word. I remember the songs that I sang since I was very young. I remember many of the worships that were told by my teachers as I had the privilege of going to Christian schools. You know, this is a real privilege growing up as a Christian, but it can also be a burden or a challenge because sometimes if we grow up having something, we don't appreciate it. It's like a person who's very wealthy and they've grown up always having money and they just take it for granted. You know, they just always had it. It's not the same excitement as someone maybe that's come into a, a windfall or, you know, won a car or won the lottery or something. You know, they get all this excitement because they got this new um, something that they've never had before. And, um, you know, people who grow up as a believer, sometimes this can be a deficiency. They think that somehow they've missed out on something. Uh, and often they develop a spiritual uh, uh, come. Com- I might call it inferiority complex, where they feel there's no great big uh, transformation story like we shared a few weeks ago that Saul had when he became Paul there on the road to Damascus. We seem to forget that there's just as much grace that went to the prodigal son that also was available to the older son who stayed home. He too needed God's grace. Um, the keeping power and the saving power of God's grace. Uh, and we want it to be a, 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 a privilege, not a burden, not a handicap. And this joy that comes from knowing Christ and, and being converted is so powerful because God rescues all of us, whether it's from a land far away or from right here at home, we all need Jesus Christ. And, you know, this is what should bring us real joy and excitement in our life. And as Christians, sometimes we can lose that passion. And I want to urge you, don't let that passion go away. Don't lose it. Do whatever it takes to get it back. Um, go back to God's Word. Find that joy. What is it that, that, that's going to help you to have a testimony that's powerful, something that's not superficial, but something that's real? And to have something real, you need to be living it. You need to have that joy. You know, there's a song that I grew up singing called, If You Want Joy, Real Joy, Wonderful Joy, Let Jesus Come Into Your Heart. The joy is in Jesus. The joy is not in some distance traveled here to here. It's not from the guttermost to the uttermost. The joy is in Jesus. And if that's so, then I would suggest to, to you in the strongest terms, that the longer you walk with Jesus, the more joy you should have. Unfortunately, sometimes Christians, it seems like the longer they walk with Jesus, it seems like the sadder and the more um, um, less joy they have, I guess I could say. But friends, the good news is that Jesus saves and he continues to save. And we need to keep turning to Jesus on a daily basis and have that experience because Jesus 
um, as in the story of the prodigal. You know, he worked just as hard saving the prodigal as that uh, shepherd did at keeping the 99 as he did at going and finding the one that was lost. Jesus died for all of us. And so there's a danger here. There's a danger of growing up in a believing environment. And I can identify with that because I grew up in a, in a, in a believing environment. But um, I seem to have lost that excitement and thrill and thought that I was missing out on something. And you know, this led me to go out and do things in the world that I thought were going to bring me joy. But they didn't. They didn't bring me joy. And there's a real danger because some people do this. And they never find their way back. And so here's the key point I want you to remember. You see, if being born again is confused, uh, sorry, if being born in is confused with being born again, then the danger is that we live in illusion. Being born in is not being born again. Being born again is so important, and that only happens as we truly give our hearts to Christ. And not, we, we don't do it and forget about him. we got to do it on a daily basis. I shared that verse with you a couple weeks ago about how Paul said throughout his life that he dies daily. He gives his heart to God every day. And um, some of us live in this uh, faith that I, I would, I'll call it environmental faith. Environmental faith describes a spiritual life that's really based on just our surroundings. Yeah, I'm a Christian. Why? Because I go to church or I live in a Christian home or I go to a Christian school. So therefore, I'm a Christian. But are you really? Are you really being transformed daily into a new person? Is God working and, and um, making you into a more Christ-like person in your character and in the way you act and, and the things you do? Um, you know, we can sing deep and meaningful songs, we can memorize scriptures and truth, but that's really not enough. If it's not internalized, if it's not experienced in a personal level, level with Jesus Christ, then there's a danger. A little boy um, was in his Sabbath school class one morning, and the teacher asked, Why do you love God? And the little boy paused, and he thought for a little while, and then he says, well, I, I guess I just love God because it runs in my family. You know, that's kind of cute. It sounds nice, but it's really not enough. We need to go beyond just having something that runs in the family. Being a Christian, a true born-again Christian, is about us having a genuine relationship with God where we talk to Him and we find joy and we find um, wisdom and we look for Him to guide us in everyday life. I thank God that for me, growing up as a believer, I finally came to a place where that personal choice um, became something that was more than just my environment. It was a, a real conversion experience. And I remember it well. It happened when I was a student at a, at a school called Mount Pisgah Academy there in Asheville, North Carolina. And it was in the quiet of the night, and the Holy Spirit spoke strongly to me. And I remember m myself falling to the ground and crying and and confessing my sins to the Lord and asking Him to come into my heart and be my personal Savior. I made that choice. And I continue to make that choice every day. And today, I continue to make that choice. I don't want my belief just to be something that's environmental. I want it to be a personal, true, born-again relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what He desires of all of us. And just because we preach about it or teach about it or study about it or even argue about it, that doesn't really mean that we have that 
relationship with Jesus Christ that's a personal relationship. It's got to be something that comes from our hearts. So this time that's a privilege can also be a danger. And if you've grown up in a church, or even if you haven't, you know, we still got to make sure that we keep that personal relationship with God. That's why feeding on the Word, they talk about the Bible being, Jesus says, it's the bread of life. Okay, if we, the bread representing food keeps us physically strong with the Bible is what keeps us strongly uh, spiritually. We need to feed on God's Word. And um, there's a real paradox here that we're talking about, of privilege and danger that's addressed by keeping a, a personal spiritual experience alive. And... Um, I have a feeling that if I got on an airplane one day and happened to be someone that sat next to me and he said, yeah, my name, I asked him his name and he says, my name is Paul. And uh, you just imagine if it was the Apostle Paul, it wouldn't be long into our conversation that I believe Paul would begin to retell me his, his testimony. He'd begin to tell me his experience of how Jesus changed his life. And... Um, Whatever, you know, you might not have a, a, a great Damascus Road experience. And I don't think Timothy had a Damascus Road experience, but Timothy had a testimony. And Timothy's testimony was powerful because it brought many people to Jesus Christ. And whatever your testimony, all of us have a unique testimony, and I want to encourage you to, to, to whatever it is, however God's done your testimony, is just what God's done in your life. How has he made you into a better person? How does he give you hope? How does he help you in times uh, like we're living in now to not be uh, afraid, but to have hope and to actually know that this is only saying that Jesus is coming sooner and, 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 and create a fire within our bones, you know, something that we can't hold in. And the prophet Jeremiah talks about this. In Jeremiah 20, verse 9, uh, he says this, but if I say I will never mention the Lord or speak in his name, his, 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 his word burns in my heart, he says, like a fire. It's like a fire in my bones and I'm worn out trying to hold it in. Indeed, I can't. You know, Jeremiah was a burning fire for the Lord. Witnessing and serving was something that he just couldn't hold in. He had to do it. And when we, as Christians, we're called to serve others and to serve God. And uh, that shouldn't be a burden. It's a privilege. And a natural response to real conversion is for us to do as Jesus did, and that's to serve and witness and do it at a pleasure, not at a pressure. You know, ritual can so easily re replace reality. Mechanics can replace meaning. A dead religion can... Um, replace a living faith. And I just want to encourage you, wherever you are on your Christian walk, the answer is in God's Word. The answer is in us actually sincerely praying and talking to God and asking Him whatever's on your mind, unloading on Him. And in that process, we can have a deeper relationship. We can grow. And um, that is what being a Christian is all about. You know, having faith is such an important thing. And there's a danger in any church of just having an environmental faith again. We don't want just an environmental faith. Church is an important thing. It's the body of Christ, the way we can get together with all our different gifts 
and serve our communities and serve each other and encourage each other. But there's also the danger of that, of us actually not having a real, alive, born-again walk with the Lord. And, and let's not, not let that happen. Let's make sure that you're in that personal walk. Let's get excited about it. You know, we, we get excited about so much. You know, you might get a new job and you get excited about your, your work or you know, you're planning a holiday and you get so excited about your holiday or you're buying something new, you know, a new car or a mountain bike or a computer or whatever it might be. You know, these are things that really get us excited. Well, in the same way, our Christian walk, we should get excited about coming to church. We should get excited about having a personal relationship with Jesus and working with others to share that good news of the gospel with others. Jesus, you see, is ultimately the source of all joy. Yesterday's passion cannot be today's inner energy. The passion can dissipate. We've got to keep it alive. We've got to keep fanning the fire. It must be restored and renewed daily in the kind of intimate relationship that keeps fresh that miracle of grace and the wonder of Calvary where Jesus died to save us all from our sins. Where is our passion? Where is our joy? What has happened? You know, it's kind of like a marriage. You know, when you're first married, you're newlyweds, you know, it's so exciting. And you're so focused on each other and attentive and intimately involved. But, you know, over the years, often marriages can become uh, dull. And uh, we've got to keep working at it. And I certainly know that. I've been married for 25 years. And, you know, I love my wife more now than I did 25 years ago. But that hasn't come easy. It, it has to be worked at. I have to make an effort. And the same thing is with our relationship with Christ. We've got to invest in it. We've got to give Him time. We've got to um, ask Him what He needs us to do. And we need to be willing to do it. You know, we need to really let that flame burn inside. Regaining and maintaining this joy and passion must be our priority. Well, how can we do that? Well, again, we've just got to keep listening to His Word. We've got to keep uh, being encouraged and being taught by other people. Whatever we can do to be filled with a joy and passion. Uh, there's a, a great Christian song that was written by Andrew Crouches. And it goes like this. He says, Take me back. Take me back, dear Lord, to the place where I first found you. Take me back. Take me back to the hour that I first believed. You see, there's nothing like that feeling when you first accept Jesus Christ and you realize that He gives you that free gift that you could never earn, that you could never deserve, but He's given it to you. And that's exciting. And if you've never accepted that gift, I want to challenge you today that God is saying, hey, it's there for your taking. You just need to accept Jesus Christ Repent of your sins and start to follow Him. Make that your priority. I want to close with just sharing a prayer that over the last five years I pray every night I can with my children. And um, the prayer goes like this. And I'm going to use my oldest son, Samuel, who's just turned 15. So I've been praying this prayer with him since he was 10. And the prayer says, Dear Jesus, help Samuel to find his identity in Christ. 
May he be a man of courage and a man of faith. May he take full responsibility for all his um, actions and attitudes. And may he, may he always lead his family and may he leave a legacy. And that's my desire for you guys. I pray that you will leave a legacy of faith. Just like um, Timothy's grandmother and his mother left a legacy of faith for him. And just like Paul left a legacy of faith for Timothy and Timothy left a legacy of faith. I want to challenge you that God will let your faith grow. You might think, oh, I don't have much faith. Well, the Bible actually tells us in Romans that all of us have given a measure of faith. And all we need to do is just feed that faith, water it, and um, God will help it to grow into something mighty and strong. So if you don't know how to start, I encourage you to get with someone that can help you. Someone that can help answer some of the questions, that can point you in the right direction, can help you understand the Bible better, and your faith will grow. Because we need that faith. Because that's where the hope is in the days that we're living. Here in 2020, it's a crazy world. But we don't need to be fearful because Jesus says, I'm coming back. And I'm coming back. Why? Because I want to be with you. I want to take you home with me. And I know I want to be there. And Jesus wants you to be there too. So let me close with a prayer. Dear Jesus, I want to thank you for every person who's hearing my voice right now. We thank you. That you've given us all, just even for the small measure of faith. But you want that faith to grow into something mighty and strong. And Lord, I just pray you'll help us. If we grew up a Christian, that we won't just take it for granted. That we'll realize how special it is to grow up as a Christian. But Lord, maybe we haven't. Maybe we've just come to know you recently or later in life. But Lord, may we still not find that, um, like a marriage, that we somehow find that the flame seems to go out and go dull. Help us to keep it alive. Keep the fire burning. and Keep that desire. And I pray that this church family and anyone that's listening to me now, that they will get with other Christians. And I know it's hard with churches closed at the moment, but Lord, meet in homes. Meet with others and let's pray. Let's study your word. And we know you'll guide us day by day. So thank you, Lord, that um, we all have the privilege knowing Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, and that he saves us. And so we just give our hearts to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. God bless you.